Isn't it great to be in God's house today? Are you glad you're here? Better than any hospital room in town, amen? It is such a privilege and an honor to be with you here today. As you know, uh, your pastor, my friend, is actually he's about 20 minutes from my house this morning preaching, and so he has blessed me with the honor of swapping places with him and coming to share the Word of God with you today. I was here What is it? It's November, isn't it? Almost two and a half years ago, uh, the last Sunday in February of 2020, pre-COVID, right? And so I heard all the news reports and the forecasts just as you did, uh, and the devil thought he had the church down for the count with his uh, with his hands on our windpipe about to choke us off and look at us this morning. Two and a half years later, we are worshiping God. The church is alive and growing, and God is still in control. Aren't you glad the Lord's in control? Thank you so much. This is why things run so smoothly right here, because behind every good pastor is a pastor's wife making it all happen. Would you let Sister Kim know how much you appreciate her? Turn to your neighbor and say he's going to take a drink of water right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm worried about this pulpit up here because it just slides all over the place. And me and it are going to have a good time this morning. Again, it's so glad, it's so good for me to be here. I just want to say, Sister Kim, in the absence of Paul, we know that you're the boss. We understand that. That's just, can we all agree Yes. So I know, I know them well. Paul and I go back uh, to college. He and I were roommates at Lee, uh, and I survived, but here we are. So I know what it's like to live with Pastor Paul Dyer, and so condolences, and, you know, you've lived with him a lot longer than I did, but no, we go way back. They're just choice friends of ours, and I want to say it is a testament to him that in his absence in this pulpit, that this place has run like a well-oiled machine this morning, and you have done everything with excellence. And I just want to say thank you from a pastor to you. Thank you uh, for the way that you have come together to honor the Lord with your service this morning, with your uh, servant's heart, and with your worship. I know that your pastor will be proud when he hears how things went. I want to get into the Word. If you'd stand with me and get your Bible, your iPad, your phone, however you read the Scripture, and go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to read from there in a moment. While you're going there, I just want to mention to you very quickly that I have some products with me back there uh, where the banner is with my ugly mug on it. Uh, I wrote a book during the pandemic called 10 Reasons Why Pastors Are in Danger. Uh, To the Corinthian church, Paul wrote a letter, and he said, I have been danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. He said, I've been in danger from strangers, in danger from my company. In fact, more than 11 times, Paul used the word danger. And so using that passage as a backdrop and and compiling information from real live pastors about their obstacles, I wrote this book called 10 Reasons Why Pastors Are in Danger. Great way to learn how to minister to, how to pray for your pastor. Uh, I believe that this this book kind of opens up uh, the curtain and shows you some of the things that your pastor won't tell you, that I as a pastor would never have told my congregation. Uh, Since I'm not a pastor now, I can say those things, and I've said those things in this book perfect for a small group. Every, uh, every single chapter ends with a prayer that I have written for pastors. Uh, so I've got that with me, and I had my first book here with me when I came the last time restored. This is a powerful story of restoration and revival in my life. If you know somebody who needs to be restored, who needs revived, this is the book. This has got my personal uh, life fingerprints on it. There are three prophetic dreams 
not pathetic, but prophetic dreams that the Lord gave me over the span of 20 years uh, that are in this book, and I believe it will change your life. I have both of them back there with me. I just have a few copies of each. Uh, so come back and see me after the service is over, uh, provided you're not laid out under the power somewhere. Hey, it's, it's liable to happen. Uh, come and see me, uh, and uh, I'd love to talk to you and share those resources too. One more thing. Throw that. Do you have that phone number back there, sister? If you could just throw that up on the screen real quick. Three, two, one. There it is. Look. You see that? That's not my phone number. But it's a text marketing uh, number that I use. If you are interested in getting my newest book, which I don't have copies of, uh, I wrote it at the very end of the pandemic. It's called Mindemic. And it's how to use faith to overcome the anxiety and depression crisis in America. There is a pandemic of the mind going on in this country. It's a mindemic. It is the devil's plot against the people of God. Do you know that out of every 10 people, in America, six of them are taking antidepressants. Did you know that antidepressants are the second most common prescribed drug by doctors in the United States? It's a mindemic, but faith overcomes the mindemic. I don't have those with me, but I'll show you how to get one. Text the word revival to that number. Just leave it up for a minute. Uh, text the word revival to that number. You don't have to do it now. Write the number down if you like and do it later. And I'll send you a link on how you can get uh, that book and you'll be able to get updates from me in the future. Who wants these? First person to get up here can have these books. Don't all of you run at once. You're the only one in the whole building that even is interested. So Praise the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 37. Are you ready for the word this morning? Now listen, I am a classical Pentecostal preacher. What that means is I was raised in Pentecost. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I was raised listening to Pentecostal preachers. And I have come to a season of ministry when, you know, when I was a pastor, I, I used to be the one always competing with myself every Sunday. Every pastor does it. You compete with yourself. Every, you're all signing up already. Thank you. I'm getting it on my watch. Uh, I was always in competition with myself to preach better today than I did last week, to come up with something more profound today than I did last Sunday. Sister Kimula Test, that's what happens with pastors, right, as you've probably watched your husband wrestle with that same issue. You always want to be cutting edge. You want a new revelation you want to say something new and exciting. Uh, and I've done all that. But here's where I am. I'm almost 50 years old. One of the benefits of coming to Knoxville area is I get to see my grandson. I have two grandsons now. I know I don't look old enough to have two grandsons, but I do. And, and as much as I love y'all, I really came down here to see him. All my grandparents shout yes. Few of you. Okay. I feel like I'm losing y'all already. I haven't even started preaching yet. Stay with me, folks. What was I saying? Oh, I've come to a season of ministry where I'm starting to lose my memory, obviously. Uh, but I've come to a point where I am done trying to preach something new and exciting. I'm done with it. And I've decided I'm going back to the basics. Now, that's not to say that all the stuff that I used to preach as a pastor when I was trying to compete with myself wasn't good stuff. It was all the Word of God. But I have come back to the place where I am ready for a move of God that doesn't require my performance. And as a pastor, I'll tell you that there were many years, and pastors all over the country are battling with this too, that we are in, under constant pressure to perform. Well, I've come today not to perform, but to give you the words of the Lord. Like the Apostle Paul said, I do not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Because what this world and this nation needs is not better preaching. We've got some of the best preaching in the entire world. What we need is not better worship music, not more skilled musicians, not larger buildings, not prettier things. What we need is for God to breathe on us right where we are. And that's what happens in Ezekiel chapter 37. Are we up there with Ezekiel 37? Because I don't have my glasses on and so I can't see my Bible. 
the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. Keep going. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. What a cop-out Ezekiel gave him right there. Keep going. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will. Say, I will. I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Keep going. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence today. Lord, I pray for the next few moments that you'll open my heart, open my mind and my mouth to speak your word. May every person under the sound of my voice hear the word of the Lord. May you breathe upon us today, Father. Open the heavens and pour out your presence in an unprecedented way. We give you glory and honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I just realized my glasses were in my pocket. I usually don't struggle this much, folks, but I'm human. And I am, uh, I'm just at a place where I don't care anymore. Isn't that a great feeling? How many of you have reached that point in your life where you just don't care anymore? Isn't that a great feeling? You get free from all of those expectations, and I don't know if being a grandparent has anything to do with it or not, but. I'm not that old, but I'm feeling kind of old. I want to preach to you about the revival equation. The revival equation. Could I tell you that I don't claim to be any special prophet or anything like that? All I can say is that when the Lord speaks to me, I try to hear what the Lord says, and I try, I seek to understand what the Lord says so that I may not only grow spiritually, but pass it on to God's people as he gives me that unction. And so as, as I have looked back on the last two and a half years and this pandemic period, and I'm not going to make this whole sermon about the pandemic, but it does bear mentioning that when the pandemic started, we all panicked with it. I remember the day that uh, the Ohio governor announced that restaurants were going to close down and, you know, we all thought that martial law was imminent and all of those things. Everyone was just reacting in fear. And I remember uh, pastors that I spoke to, uh, although they would not present this to their congregants, there were some pastors that really were afraid of what was going to happen to the body of Christ and the church. Not that God wasn't going to protect his church, but church as we know it, was going to change. And so we sometimes react in fear and we think the worst. Uh, and, and I was the same way because I'm an evangelist. I make my living by traveling and preaching and sharing God's word and doing what he's called me to do. And so in the middle of my uh, tour in the spring of 2020, everything was just shut down and we began to react in fear. Some of you may have lost jobs. Some of you may have uh, had to spend your life savings just to survive. All of us were touched by this global crisis in a different way. But even in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of the sickness and the death and the loss that we experienced as human beings, I, I heard the word of the Lord whisper to me. Aren't you glad God whispers to you when you're in the midst of crisis? I heard him whisper to me, and I, I suspect that he whispered the same thing to multitudes of people. And what he whispered to me was this. When history tells the story of 2020 and beyond, this period of time will not be known as the period of the 
of the international pandemic, but it will be known for the mighty last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is going to come after it. And it is at that moment that I began to sense down deep in my heart that this problem, this crisis, was only setting us up for the last day revival that Joel prophesied in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men, uh, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall dream dreams and your old men shall see visions upon my handmaidens and my servants. In that last day will I pour out my spirit. And as I look back upon the pandemic period, I realize that what the enemy meant to separate us and isolate us did nothing but draw the people of God together into a unified body and a unified front like we never have been before. And what the enemy tried to use to kill us has done more to bring the church together because crisis always brings God's people to call upon his name. I want you to know that there has been more intercession over the last two and a half years for the church of the living God and for lost souls than there has been in a generation. We finally realize that we have taken for granted our blessings and we have taken for granted all of our freedoms and amenities and suddenly we realize that the only thing that doesn't change and the only thing that is solid that is not a variable in our lives is the love of God and the power of God and the provision of God and the grace of God. None of that changed with the lockdown orders. None of that changed when we couldn't meet in our buildings for several weeks at a time. None of that changed even though people were getting sick and dying. One thing that remained constant was God was still God. Jesus had still risen from the dead and he was going to outlive any crisis that you and I have gone through. If you believe it, shout yes. I'm so thankful that what the enemy meant for a curse, God turned it into a blessing. I'm so thankful that rather than separation, unity has come out of a crisis. And what I want you to understand as I again reminisce about that little thing God whispered in my ear, I want you to understand that we are now poised as the church for a last day outpouring of revival. We are now poised. We are in position. We are ready. We are thirsty. We are hungry for an out for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Revival is at the door, and we've never wanted it more than we want it now. We've never been more hungry than we are now. We've never been more primed for revival than we are now. And in the midst, on the other side of the equation, if you will, on the center side of the equation, for those who don't know Jesus, for those who don't understand the hope that is Jesus Christ in our lives, it is the time when they are looking for something real. This world is tired of fake and phony and counterfeit. They're tired of being lied to by the world and lied to by Madison Avenue revenues and and lied to by politicians and lied to by the government. If anybody should not be lying to people, it's the church. We ought to live what we say we live. We ought to believe what we say we believe. We ought to stand by the Holy Scriptures and live in holiness because this This world will flock to somebody who's telling the truth. Oh, I wish somebody would help me preach this morning. If there's anything that will stay the truth, it is this word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus didn't say the truth. Jesus is the truth. Come on. The truth is the intellectual property of God. Nobody can change the truth. No one can alter it. No one can cancel it. Nobody can do anything about the truth. This is the truth, and it's It's the only word that will help you to survive. If you believe it, shout yes. I believe we are primed for revival in America, don't you? It has been said that we should not seek to experience revival without anticipating true reformation. Revival isn't just about having a great service and feeling all warm and fuzzy inside when we come to God's house. It is marked by great 
reformation. Reformation. What does it mean? It means that there has to be a change occurring. Hence, the term revival is not adequately used in our time unless it's marked by reformation and guided by the Word of God. If you believe that, say yes. Revival is the noun form of the word revive, meaning to live again, to return or to restore to consciousness or life. Revival can also be the restoration of something to its true nature and purpose. It is essentially a powerful work of the Holy Spirit in saving the lost and sanctifying the saved. There is a precedent and a basis for revival in the Old Testament. There are two verses of Scripture that use the word revive in the Old Testament, one being Psalm 85, verses 6 and 7, when David said, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. The second place is in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Hallelujah. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. A popular, popular scholar that I remember studying in college said this, the depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. The depth of our repentance will determine the depth of our revival. A popular revivalist of the 21st century, Leonard Ravenhill, said, Revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows himself. I'm telling you there's never been a time when there are so many misrepresentations of the word of God. Never a time like today when there are so many misrepresentations of the presence and the power of God and what it means to live holy unto the Lord. With the age of the Internet and social media and YouTube, you can get on the Internet and you can find just about any doctrine coming and going. You have to be careful who you listen to, careful what you read, because our generation that we're raising believes that if you saw it online, it must be true. Maybe if we'd get their faces out of the Internet and get them back into the one book that has sold more copies than any other book in the print in the history of the world, and that is the Word of the living God. Maybe if we'd go back to having devotion around the family Bible again. Maybe if we'd go back to having family prayer meetings again, we would begin to instill in our children the truth, so much so that they never again look to the world for the truth. The reason the world is looking for truth in all the wrong places is because we have not adequately enough pointed them to the truth in this word. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. I was raised by Pentecostal parents. My parents had family prayer meeting. My parents sat us around the Bible in the evening before bedtime and taught us the word of God. I remember my mother making us go around the circle and all the kids had to pray. I remember her and dad, when they got to pray, and they'd get to pray, and in the Holy Ghost, so we'd be there all night. I remember my mother used to pray, and she would pray so intently that it would bring sweat from her forehead. I remember times when she would get up off the floor where we would kneel in that prayer circle, and she'd go over to the front door and open it up, brother. We lived in a tight-knit community, a dead-end street. All the families knew each other, and back then, when people yelled out the door, you could hear them for several doors down, and my mom would open the door, and she'd start telling the devil to get out of her house. And I was sitting there as a teenager thinking, Mom, please don't yell out the door. All of my friends are going to hear you, and I'm going to get made fun of on the bus tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you it was that mother's prayers that kept me out of hell. It was that mother's prayers that kept me out of a grave and kept me out of a courtroom. It was that mother's prayers that instilled within me the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, a love for his word and a knowledge of how to pray for my own children. 
And I'm going to tell you that even though she embarrassed me, I've never once regretted my mom and dad praying over me. I've never once regretted them teaching me the word of God because now I have a foundation in my spirit and in my soul that it doesn't matter what you tell me, I'll not believe it unless it comes from the word. Unless it is rooted and grounded in scripture, you can't sway me, you can't change my mind, you can't turn me upside down. His word has been hidden in my heart, as David said. That's what revival brings. Unfortunately, revival is an equation. A mathematical equation is a problem. It starts with the problem that can only be answered when the right factors are introduced to the equation. I'm no math whiz. I certainly don't know a whole lot about algebra. The Holy Ghost had to help me when I was in college just to pass algebra. I used to pray, Lord, help me to remember the things I haven't studied. Algebra. But here's what I learned about revival. There are things that must be in the equation of revival in order for the problem of the lack of revival to be solved. And I believe they're found in Ezekiel 37. I love this chapter. I got excited when you started singing about the dry bones. Ezekiel 37. You know the story well. If you know the Bible at all, this is probably one of the most familiar passages written by a major prophet in the Scripture. Ezekiel is carried out into this valley full of bones by the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm running out of time already. All day? My wife might have a problem with that. She's heard all my stuff. And the Lord said, Ezekiel, you see these dry bones laying around? They were just broken up skeletons all over all over the valley. And he walked Ezekiel in and out and between and through all of these bones. They were dry. There was no life. I can imagine this pile of bones just full of dust. And every time you step, there was a sound of the clanking of bones under his feet. And God said, keep in mind this is the worst possible position for a body to be in. There is no breath, there is no life, there is no skin, there is no muscle, there is no tendon, there is no organ, there is nothing, just the bones, and they've all been separated. How do we know that? Because when, uh, when Ezekiel prophesied, they all came together, so we know they're separated. There, there might be uh, uh, somebody's leg bone over here and then the other one over there. They're not, even, they're not even put together skeletons. They're just a pile of dusty, old, dry, rotting bones. And Ezekiel said, God said to Ezekiel rather, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I believe that that's the question God is asking of us today as the body of Christ. We are people who believe in the supernatural. We are people who believe in the restoration power of God, aren't we? We believe that the blood flows to the highest mountain and it reaches to the lowest valley. We believe that there is nothing too hard for our God to do. We believe that impossible is possible if God is in it. And I could go on and on about the things we believe as Pentecostals, the things that we preach as believers. And God is asking us, with all of the knowledge we have of this book, can dry bones live again? And he's not looking for a cop-out answer like I think maybe Ezekiel gave him. Well, Lord, you know all things. Thou knowest, O Lordeth. If these bones can liveth againeth. No. He wants us to speak by faith. He wants us to do exactly what he told Ezekiel to do next. Ezekiel, stand up in the middle of the bones and prophesy. He didn't say stand up in the Colosseum full of people and prophesy. He didn't say stand up on the best day you've ever had and prophesy. 
Stand up in the hospital where there's still a little chance and prophesy. But stand in the middle of a place where there is no life, no hope, no chance, no nothing, and prophesy to these bones and tell them to live again. My Lord, if there has ever been a chance for God to do the impossible, it was in the middle of that valley. And I believe that that's what God is calling the church of the living God to do in 2022 and beyond, to stand in the dryness of this place, this place we call earth, this creation of God, to stand in the midst of nothingness, to stand in places where there is no hope, to stand in places where there is no chance, and to begin to prophesy, thus saith the Lord, these bones shall live again. He didn't bring us here to prophesy death. He didn't bring us here to be offended at every little thing somebody says to us. My Lord, I'm going to meddle for a minute. He didn't put us on this earth and fill us with the Holy Ghost so that we could be negative all the time. How you doing? Well, you know, I've had better days. Whoa, the devil's been on my back all day long. Listen, honey, when I I ask you how you're doing. I don't really want to know how you're doing. Seriously, though, I've seen it in myself. How many of you here kind of like me? You almost always go negative right off the bat. Ain't nobody going to raise their hand but a couple of us because we don't care. Think about it. That is my personality, brother. When a phone call comes at 6 o'clock in the morning, the phone doesn't normally ring at 6 in the morning. So when it does, I automatically go negative. My God, what happened? What happened? Who's dead? Not only because we've got that phone call at 6 in the morning before, but because I just always go negative. And I have had to work through that personally. Am I talking to anybody here that's human or y'all just so holy you don't understand what I'm talking about? So I've got to stop speaking that stuff over my own life. And you've got to stop speaking that stuff over your own life. You've been burying bones when God's getting ready to put a prophecy in your mouth for those bones to live again. We're not in the business of burying things. We're in the business of resurrecting things. God didn't put us here to bury the church. He put us here so that the church may live. That's why he told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He sent us here to prophesy life. So when you see death, when you see hopeless situations, when you look at somebody and they've lost all hope, and you don't even know if they have a chance, prophesy life over them. It's not your job to play God and decide whether they're going to make it or they're not going to make it. Prophesy life. Say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you shall live. You shall be healed. God's going to meet all of your needs. You have nothing to worry about. Honey, you're going to make it. I know it feels like you don't have any hope. I know you feel like you don't have an answer. I know you don't know what your, when your next meal is coming. But prophesy over them, you shall live. That's when revival's going to come, when we stop prophesying and start prophesying. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Only you know, Lord. God said to Ezekiel, Wolf's unauthorized translation says this. Wrong answer, Ezekiel. Stand up and prophesy. I can almost hear that conversation going on. Wait a minute, Lord. Do you see where you put me? Do you see this? It's not even windy out here. It's just dead. The wind is dead. The bones are dead. The ground is dead. There's nothing growing anywhere. No green. It's just all just dark and dingy and dusty. God said, prophesy over these bones and say, O ye dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. I love that. Because even dead things don't have a choice but to hear the word of God. Hear ye the word of the Lord. I am going to bring you together. And I'm going to put breath in you. 
and you're going to stand up an exceeding great army. I'm going to cover you with tendons and muscles and skin, and I'm going to breathe, and you're going to live. Ezekiel said, all right, God, that's what I'll do. And he prophesied, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he repeated exactly what God said to him. Listen, you don't have to make something up. All you got to do is go to the book. You can walk up to somebody who's lost their last hope, and you can begin to prophesy the word of God over them. Did you know that? You can prophesy the word of God over them, and God will honor that word. What happened when Ezekiel prophesied? There was a shaking and a sound of bones coming together bone to his bone, meaning God began to take a leg bone from over here that went with the leg bone over here on this side, and he put them together with the hip bone. And don't get me singing the song now. God put bodies back together. He put living, breathing organisms, uh, organs in them. He put skin upon them, and they stood up. But that wasn't it. That wasn't the end of the story. God said, now, Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind and say, oh, ye winds, come from the four corners of the earth and fill these. And suddenly the wind came, and God breathed breath into those bones, and they stood up, and they lived again. That is the best picture of revival that you can find in the Word of God. That God took nothing, nobody, no hope, no chance, no nothing, and brought an exceeding great army out of it. You say, but, you know, Brother Wolfert, I haven't, I haven't seen many valleys of dry bones lately. This entire world that we live in is a valley of dry bones. How many of you stay with me for 10 more minutes? This entire world is a valley of dry bones. It reminds me of what took place in 1 Kings 18. You don't have to go there. I'm not going to read the scripture back in the booth there. Just, just leave it up. Whatever you got up here is fine. I don't want to confuse anybody. How many of you know what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18? The drought is about to be over. Elijah goes to King Ahab and tells him the rain is about to come. He says, call all the people up to the mountain. We're going to find out who's God. And there is a great showdown between the prophets of Baal and the prophet Elijah. You know the story. They prayed to their God who did not answer. Elijah prayed. God answered by fire, and a great revival broke out. And all the people cried out, the Lord Jehovah is God. Great revival. But what did, what did Elijah say to them? He said, why do you halt between two opinions? If Baal be God, then follow him. If Jehovah be God, then follow him. And they spoke not a word. What Elijah didn't know is that God had 7,000 that had been kept as a remnant that had never bowed their knee to Baal. But listen to what he said. Why do you halt between two opinions? The original, I'm not a Greek or Hebrew scholar, but I like to do word studies, and I did a word study, the original word used for halt, and it means dislocated. Some of you get that on the way home. We live in a society that is dislocated. Our beliefs are out of joint. Our politics are out of joint. Oh, Lord, here we go. Our families are out of joint. Our churches are out of joint. Our leaders are out of joint. Our faith is out of joint. And we are riding a fence because we're afraid that if we pick this side or this side, that we're going to feel the heat from the opposing side. 
God help us if the church does not take a stand for righteousness. God help this world if the church does not take a stand for righteousness. It's time that we declare that we are on the Lord's side. And as Joshua declared before all the people, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got to make a decision whether we're going to be his or we're not. Whether we're going to be holy or we're not. Whether we're going to stand and be moral or we're not. It's time to stop being dislocated. I just happen to believe that this metaphor, this vision that Elijah, that, that Ezekiel sees is God taking a dislocated body and putting them back together again. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you that the Holy Ghost is getting ready to move upon the church and he's going to put dry bones back together again. He's going to take a dislocated church and he's going to put us back into joint. He's going to put our families back into joint. He's going to make us to where we stand again as the army he created us to be. And may we again declare like David declares that he teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Hallelujah. Why don't you stop wagging your finger at other people and start letting your fingers be used to fight spiritual warfare where the flesh is not the enemy but spiritual wickedness in high places and all of the plans and the schemes of the enemy. It's time for the church to stand up and be an army. It's only going to come in the equation of revival. Let me point this out and I'm going to close. If you believe that, shout yes. I got three people with me. Genesis 11. Very quickly, the people came together, and they said, let's build a tower that reaches up to heaven. What was it called? Babel. God looks down, and he says, look at them. They've come together in unity. Key word, unity. Let us confuse their language. Let us change their language. For if we don't, oh, by the way, they said, let us build this tower up to heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves. That's key right there. They were in unity about making a name for themselves. God said, I'm not going to allow unity to be used to glorify man. Think about that for a minute. And he confused their language so that they scattered throughout all the world. Do you understand the power of that passage? God was saying, when unity among people is reached for the right purpose, there's nothing that can't be accomplished. God said, but I'm not going to let them use it to accomplish making a name for themselves. God was giving us a picture of the power of unity. What happened? Generations and generations and generations and thousands of years later, perhaps 2,000 years later, in Zephaniah. Somebody say Zephaniah. Verse, chapter 3, verse 9. The prophet Zephaniah said, God will restore a pure language to his people. Hmm. Think about that. God confused their language, but then came back with a promise generations later and said, I'm going to restore the pure language. But where? Go into your Bible. You will not find the answer any place except Acts chapter 2. And what happened? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly... Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with 
tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It gets better. Go a few verses down, you'll find that they spilled out onto the street, praying in tongues. And somebody on the street said to Peter, how is it that we can hear each man speak in our own language? Because God restored a pure language through Pentecost. In Pentecost, he reversed Babel. Why? Because he said when you get in the upper room and you seek the move of God and you seek after what I promised you and you get together in one accord, that is the kind of unity that cannot be stopped. And that's the kind of unity that I will bless and I will pour out my spirit upon those who are in unity about the move of the Holy Ghost. Here's the equation of revival very quickly. The equation of revival, there's always an X factor. And it's the X factor that the church for generations has been trying to figure out. We know that we have to pray for revival, right? First Chronicles 7, 14. We know we have to pray for revival. We know that the Holy Ghost has to be involved. We know those two things. But what is the X factor? The X factor in that revival equation is godly unity. And we're, we are so busy disagreeing over things in the church, so busy disagreeing over things in the body of Christ that we can't come together over what revival is. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day when God is bringing forth a remnant, those who have not bowed the knee to the enemy, and he's going to begin to breathe on us again, and revival's going to come as we pray and seek God and agree together on one foundational truth that without the move of God, we can't fix it. We can't do anything. We don't have the answer. We don't have the, the equation figured out. We just have... Off did my battery go dead? There it is. Listen, we need an Ezekiel 37 experience. Stand with me. How many of you believe we need an Ezekiel 37 experience in the body of Christ? That we need to we need to bring back the X factor, which is the unity of the upper room. We've been trying to build our own babbles. Do you know that unity without God? brings confusion. That's what Babel is all about. Unity plus rebellion equals confusion. Say that. Unity plus rebellion equals confusion. How many of you believe that? That's what happened at Babel. But listen to this. Unity plus prayer equals revival. That's the difference. If we'll stop building our own kingdoms and begin building his again, God will send revival. We're looking for all the answers when we've had the answer all along. The answer is revival. Come on, somebody. The answer is revival. Revival is the answer for the brokenhearted. Revival is the answer for the sin-sick soul. Revival is the answer for the troubled mind. Revival is the answer for the diseased body. Revival is the answer for the broken family. Revival is the answer for the alcoholic. Revival is the answer for the drug addict. Revival is the answer for the prodigal son or daughter that hasn't come home. Revival is the answer when you've lost your peace. Revival is the answer when you've lost your joy. Revival is the answer when you've lost your hope. Come on, somebody. Revival is the answer when you've lost your purpose. Revival is the answer when you've lost your way. Revival is the answer when you've lost the zeal for life. Revival is the answer when you want to give up. Revival is the answer when you've lost your strength. Revival is the answer when you've been knocked down. Revival is the answer when you've been betrayed. Revival is the answer when you've been forsaken. Revival is the answer when you've been given up on. Revival's the answer when you have been forgotten. Revival is the answer when you've been lied on. Revival is the answer for the lukewarm church. 
Revival is the answer for the crime-ridden city. Revival, revival, revival is the answer for a nation without God. Revival is the answer for a struggling family. Revival is the answer for a broken marriage. Revival is the answer in the valley of affliction. Revival is the answer in the furnace of testing. Revival is the answer in the midst of the storm. Revival is the answer if you've made a mess. It's the answer if you've made bad decisions. It's the answer if you've broken a promise. Revival is the answer when you're on your last dime. Revival is the answer when you're on your last leg. Revival is the answer regardless of what you need or where you are or what's going on. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to wash over you like warm water and cleanse you of all of the junk the enemy has been trying to place on you and to set you free and to cause you to live again. If you believe that's the truth, would you give God a shout of praise in this house? That's it. I'm all out. I'm done. I don't know about you, but I personally am sick and tired of playing church. Aren't you? I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm ready for a move of God that sweeps me off of my feet. I'm ready for a move of God that makes me fall in love with Jesus all over again. (laughs) Aren't you? I'm telling you, as I said before, I began preaching this morning. It's dripping in this place. I see it in the spirit. There is an anointing flowing in this place. I believe that you are a people who is open and receptive to this word today. You are primed, you are ready for a move of the Holy Ghost. If you agree with that, shoot both hands up into the air and tell the Lord I'm ready. Use me. Use me. Bring revival to my home. Bring revival to my dinner table. Bring revival to my children. Bring revival to my prodigals. Bring revival everywhere I go. Let me be a conduit of the move of the Holy Spirit. Bring revival to my workplace. Teenagers, Ask God to bring revival to your school. Bring revival to my college or university. Bring revival to the marketplace. Let me be a test tube of revival and its effects everywhere that I go. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Don't you feel the presence of the Lord in here? Don't you feel the presence of the Lord in here? I wonder if there's anybody in this place that's sick in your body. You've been diagnosed with some sort of disease or infirmity. If that's you, get out of your seat and come. Quickly, 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 quickly. There's an anointing here to touch you right now. There's an anointing here to touch you right now. Give me some help, gentlemen. Father, in Jesus' name, bring healing to my sister. In Jesus' name, bring healing to my brother. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, bring healing to my sister. Father, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, may she be healed in the name of Jesus. Who else? Who else? Come here. Come here. In Jesus' name, I pray for healing to come to my sister. Lord, Lord, that you will go to the very point, the very place where she is afflicted, and that you will begin to move by your Holy Spirit to bring healing. May her body line up with the way you've created it by the holy blueprint out of which we were created. Father, heal my sister in her body. We come against every infirmity, every sickness, every disease, any diagnosis. Father, we say now, you are healed. We prophesy life over this body. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for healing. We thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We thank you, Father, that you... you, You created us. You drew the blueprint for this physical man. And, Father, we know that it is but mortal, but you have the ability and the power, and you have the willingness to bring healing into this physical body right now. We call it done. We speak life. We prophesy health and wholeness over her in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. Who else? Who have I missed? Father, I pray for my brother that you bring healing into his body right now. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Healing power flow over him like fire. Like fire in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you for healing. I thank you for healing. I prophesy life into this body. I prophesy life over her body, every place where the enemy has tried to afflict her. Father, I thank you and stand in agreement with her that she is healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I am healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm healed. I'm healed. Who else? Who have I missed? Who have I missed? Hallelujah. Church, would you thank the Lord for his healing that's flowing in this place right now? Thank the Lord for his healing. Wherever you are, whether you've come forward or you're still in your seat, if the Lord has healed you this morning, I want you to let somebody know before you leave today. Let somebody know even before the day is over. Tell somebody. Testify about it. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. I wonder, is there anyone in this room this morning that the Lord has called you to ministry? Would you just raise your hand? The Lord's called you to ministry. Would those of you lifted your hand step out and come forward quickly, please? Hallelujah. I believe that those who are called into ministry are under the greatest attack. You're under the greatest attack. You're a target. You've got a target planted on your backside. But I want you to know that when God calls you, he covers you. When God calls you, he seals you. When God calls you, he puts a sword in your hand. And if you are willing, if you are willing, to be a target. God's willing to make you a testament. Did you hear what I said? I want you to raise your hands. I'm just going to agree with you that God's anointing will come upon you. Father, in Jesus' name, may your anointing rest upon this young man like a heavy blanket, like a mantle. Rest your mantle, Father, upon these young men and women. Rest your mantle upon them for ministry. Rest your mantle of anointing upon them in Jesus' name. Father, thank you. Thank you for pouring your oil over them. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for anointing, Father. We thank you for anointing, Father. We thank you for anointing, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. May your oil of anointing drip over those whom you've called, whom you've chosen, who you've tapped on the shoulder and said, I've chosen you to use. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Anointing fall. Anointing fall. Anointing fall. Heavenly Father, anointing fall. Anointing fall on us. Anointing fall on us. Fall on us. Sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Anointing fall. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The power of your presence. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many sense the presence of God in this place today? Stand with me if you're physically able all over this building. I want you to pray a prayer with me before the service is over. I want you to pray a prayer of unity with me. Is that all right? How many of you are ready for revival to come in greater measure to the Alcoa Maryville Church of God? I sense that you are. I sense that you are. When pastor is back next week, I want him to watch you worshiping and think to himself, something must have happened last week. 
God must have got a hold of these folks last week. They're, I'm praying that there will be a noticeable difference when you begin to worship. That you will be so anxious during this week to get back in the house of God that you can't hardly stand it. That's revival. That's revival. Are you ready? Let's pray a prayer of unity together, would you? Just pray it in your own words. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to declare the word. I thank you, Lord, that today you're bringing us to a place of unity, a place in this revival equation where unity and prayer bring about the move of the Holy Ghost. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor for it. We stand ready. We stand willing and able to be used by your power. Father, use us as conduits through which your presence flow in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now would you lift your voices and put your hands together and give the Lord an ovation of praise right now. Come on, give him an ovation of praise right now. Thank you, God Almighty. Lord, as we come, Lord, in your presence and nothing else. God, thank you for this time. Lord, that hearts are open, minds are clear. Lord, allow us to exalt unto you. Lord, Father, I was reminded, God, as he was sharing, Lord, if I come of my own, my own righteousness, Lord, is nothing but filthy rags. Lord, allow us all to rely upon you and nothing else. God, allow us to come. Or to experience your move, your presence, and your time. Father God, thank you for a place that you are free. Thank you for a place, Lord, that we can come and seek your face. Your word says if we seek you, we will find you. Father God, thank you for a place that you can be found. God, as we go again, let us be a blessing. Lord, allow us to bless others. Thank you, Jesus. And all these things we ask in your gracious holy name. Amen and amen.